on your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Yo, ho, 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 what up, what it do? Ken LaVica Live! But guess what? Ken LaVica is not here, nope. so guess who is joining? Guess who is taking his place running this show? piloting this plane i am dean thomas you normally hear me every day from four to six on josh cohen and the home team the mma's king of all media is what they call me yeah that's what they call me love that but today i will be your host on ken lovica live on espn 106.3 give me a call if you got something you want to chime in about 888-760-3776 but today is a special day because we are live we are live at the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl Golf Outing. That's right. At Banyan K. And we are out here, and that voice that you hear there is the boy that you hear every day. Mm-hmm. Stone Labanowitz, or as he likes to say, Stone Labanowitz. <laughs> Dean, I think we got the best job in the world today. We're sitting right in front of, a, I believe, a 400-yard par four, even though you don't know what that means. We get to watch people. Whack the ball with a stick and commentate it and talk to these people all day long, smoke cigars. Get the easiest job here, I think. I tell you what, man, like, you know, I'm not really a golfer. I did play golf once. I'll get into that in a moment. <laughs> um, I, I shot three holes, but um, I'm not really a golfer, but I am totally enjoying today. Today, the weather, weather is beautiful. There's, there's a couple of clouds, but they're like nice clouds. But the sky is blue. The temperature is good. It's a perfect day for golfing. And anybody out here is going to enjoy the day. Absolutely. And I wanted to start off with this, Dean. So I'm going to give you a few numbers over and under because, of course, we're in West Palm Beach, the capital of Lily Pulitzer, which these outfits, you see the the florals, right, the pink and blue and green and everything. So I'm going to give you an over-under on 25 Lily Pulitzer outfits we see today. Where are you going there? I'm going, oh. That's tough. It's a it's high a, number. It's kind of tough. It's a high number. So I, I have to go under because I do think that people, might be a little bit more reserved in their colors today. <laughs> right, I'm going I'm going a little bit under, but not by much. Like if you said 20, I probably would have went over. Okay, I respect that. So there we go. We got one on the count Ooh, today. One so got as one. soon as you take the bet, somebody walks right in front of us wearing lonely pulitzer. No surprise here. So not a good start for you. And then we'll go over to the men's side. We'll go uh, Vineyard Vines. You know, the ones with the little whales on the front. Oh, yeah, the little whales. Of whale. course, it's what the bros pull out when it's time to play golf and whatnot. Over under on 15 for the Vineyard I'm Vines. I'm going over team. on that because I'm looking across <laughs> the table and I see a brother right now with one on, you know, so I got to go over. All right, so we got one and one so far, and you're on the under for the Lily Pulitzer outfits, and you're on the over for the Vineyard Vines. Can't hate, can't knock the hustle there. Respect the bets. We'll see how you finish the day. I almost really uh, started off in a good spot with the Lily Pulitzer because I almost wore, I have a shirt just like that, and the one time that I went golfing, <laughs> I was wearing a shirt that looks just like a Lily Pulitzer shirt. Yeah. It's all, all the colors on it, and I went golfing. It was at a spot in Colorado. Ooh. It was Justin Gaethje, and can, I golfed can, with him. Can he golf? He can golf, yeah. He's okay. been golfing since he was a kid. Okay. So I shot an episode of the Dean Diaries, which you can catch on YouTube. It's produced by the UFC. And I went golfing with him, and we shot three holes. And I was so proud of myself 
because I shot, uh, what is it? What happens when you only miss it by two? Okay, it's just a nice little double bogey. Yeah, I did a double That's bogey. That's not bad at all. But it's not bad at all, especially for my first time. But I got to be honest and up front with you, though, Stone, I threw the ball a few times. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. It I happens. couldn't hit it, so I, I just threw the ball. It happens. Yeah. I expect that from a, an MMA fighter, an yeah. MMA pioneer. I, I don't just, expect you to have the flexibility and, you know, the hip movement to be able to still swing these golf clubs. I, you shouldn't. I don't, I don't you, have it, man. You beat but people I, up for a living. I, Golfers yeah. have not beat people up once in their entire lives. Exactly. Like, in fact, and I used to keep a golf club in the car. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. But I, but I used to keep it in the car in case somebody <laughs> tried me on the street. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? Somebody See, get, a little, I, get a little slick on the street. That I believe. Yeah, so. So, uh, speaking of fighting, MMA stuff, this past weekend was a great weekend for fighting. I don't normally talk on this show, so I'm sure you guys don't really get into MMA a lot. So, we're going to get into it a little bit today. Hey, that's all fine and dandy. It's one of the most up-and-coming, one of the most popular sports out there right now. The card that went this past weekend, I believe, looking at some of the viewership numbers, it was higher than it's ever been. So, it deserves to be spoken about, especially on this platform as well. Ken Levick Live, there's no hate in there. Yeah, that's all. what I'm saying. And that's what I love about this, this show, because y'all talk about whatever. So, And I'm here today, so you might as well utilize me to my best ability. That's damn so, right. UFC 280, one of the things that stood out was Sean O'Malley getting the decision over Piotr Jan. And a lot of people are speculating that, you know, it was a robbery and Sean O'Malley didn't deserve it, who won, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it was a close fight, no doubt about that. Mm. It was, to me, it was, it was a close fight, no doubt about that. But I'm going to be honest with you, Stone. I thought Piotr Jan won 30-27. I mean, you along with 90% of the people <laughs> watching. So... I actually saw on social media this morning or, or on Twitter with Sean O'Malley who did tweet, hey, watch the fight over again. Yeah, I still won. And I think he's kind of just poking the bear because he understands himself and he realizes that it wasn't actually the correct result and whatnot. And I, I think it's funny that, you know, somebody like you who's been around the sport from the very beginning, somebody who's on the television, somebody who calls these fights and breaks it down, watches film, you know, speaks on it every single day of the week, says that. There was a video of Khabib watching the fight saying that he scored it 3-0. And then, yeah, the result is what it is. It's, you had a quote earlier, I believe, this week talking about how it was one of the top five, you know, missed calls in all of the sport and all the history of all of the sport. Do you still stand by that right uh, now? Absolutely. In terms of just flat out getting it wrong, I think it is definitely one of the top five. And I would have to say top three in terms of what was at stake for this fight. Yeah. Because there was so much at stake for both guys and it elevates Sean O'Malley to a position where now he should be fighting for a title now does he deserve it yes and no more so no because he didn't win that fight sure he didn't win that fight let's be fair and he's still going to get his chance but but here's the thing though so I do want to speak on this because I never I haven't had a chance to speak on this yet you know Sean O'Malley and Sean O'Malley is different and he's special and he comes from you know, middle America somewhere, like no, like Montana. But he's got a <laughs> swag about him that resonates with a lot of people, which makes him a star. But what comes with that is the pressure that you put on yourself to win. And the pressure that you – and he goes out there, colorful hair. He's a colorful character, puts so much pressure on himself to do well in fights, and he tells the world that I'm going to go out there and do this. Then he goes in and fights a guy who he was a two, three-to-one underdog. Absolutely. And – he fought a great fight. He fought the best fight he possibly could have fought. I thought he still lost, but he fought the best fight he could have fought. He didn't fight like he was a fighter under pressure. Now, and the reason why I bring that up is because 
I've been coaching fighters for 20 years, and most fighters get nervous. Yeah. And they can't perform. And they don't even put the pressure on themselves like Sean O'Malley. All they do is train, they go out and fight, and they can't perform. They get performance anxiety. Now, here's Sean O'Malley, who puts so much pressure on himself self to do well, goes out there and does well under them circumstances. Now, this is a win, I think, for my generation. It is. It, it, it completely is, because we're looking at a guy, right, who doesn't hit the weight room, who hasn't trained traditionally like guys like you and, and some of the OGs have in the past. Right? We know about... The, the marijuana that he likes to smoke when we were talking about Sugar Sean O'Malley. Like, we know, understand that he's a little untraditional, and he goes out there when everybody says that he doesn't have a shot, whether he does have the reach, whether he does have all this, goes out there clear-minded and throws hands with one of the best in the game and ends up coming out on top. When guys like you said that it probably wasn't even possible, he does come out there and fights a clean fight. It's a win for, I think, guys in my generation who, who do things the non-traditional way. It is, and... I can appreciate his, his. Let me mark down my tally. Sorry, no, no. to cut you off, but we're looking <laughs> oh. at number two on Lily Pulitzer out. Oh man, here. I'm gonna lose this bet. Continue but I can, I, I can certainly appreciate his respect for his integrity to his craft. <laughs> for sure, I can absolutely appreciate the fact that he doesn't lift weights and he just focuses on the game and he's doing well at it. And I remember before he came up, is that? Oh, that's still number one. But before he came up. I remember watching him working out with his coach, and I'm thinking, man, this guy is special. Like, he was really good. He was smooth everywhere. Wow. He was coordinated. He was smooth. He was strong, fast. And, but he's still just a skinny, pasty little, you know, skinny, just a, you know, a twig. That's really what he is. For sure. But, he, but he's very good, and he hurt a guy who I didn't think he could hurt. So for those reasons, I'm going to say, man, like he put himself, in terms of his career, he put himself in a position to get this title shot. And in career-wise, I can say he deserves it. But that, did he win that fight? Absolutely not. Like, but just what he's done so far with his career, I'm like, all right, you know what? Give him the title shot. It's cool to see with all of this having gone down that you do give him the respect at least. I think that's, that, that's something that, that I admire for the most part because most guys have written him off or they don't want to give him the respect that he deserves and whatnot. And I think it's interesting we're even talking about Sugar Sean O'Malley because it really shows where the UFC has come. You know, on a Wednesday Right, on Ken Levick Alive on ESPN Radio, where we would and should probably be previewing Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson meeting on Thursday Night Football or talking about things that went down with Antonio Brown. We're talking about one of the most God, flashy and prolific guys in all of sports in Sugar Sean O'Malley. He's worth an Instagram follow. He's worth a Twitter follow. Like He's worth being spoken about on ESPN Radio. I think he's that big of a figure. He's going to shake the game up, make that much noise, and he's making millions of dollars the same amount of money that these guys in the NFL are, these guys in the NBA are. We even can talk about LeBron James and the Lakers playing tonight, but I love that we're talking about Sugar Sean O'Malley. I think he's one of the most up-and-coming athletes in all of sports right now, and I love that we're giving him a shine. Well, re and I have to because like oftentimes we don't give – MMA a lot of shine and I get it because you know maybe that's not the number one sport especially in West Palm Beach for sure you know, like, so it's not really all that you know stand out it doesn't really pronounce itself as much however I have to do it to due diligence because I am you know part of it you know so I'm always you like you know I got to do my I got to do my job in promoting my sport but you're more than part of it honestly it's blessing the people of West Palm Beach that that somebody like you and somebody of your stature is able to sit out here and blast this through the speakers at a Boca Raton bowl golf outing and stuff like that. I think it's it's something that's going to be more prevalent and more normal in people's lives as we move forward. So I love, love, love talking some Sugar Sean. I think he's one of the most popular athletes in all of the land right now, and I love that we're doing it. And the fact that he's comparing himself to Conor McGregor, 
at first I didn't. Get, at first I was like, "There's absolutely no way." Now, can he do what Connor did? Absolutely not, because you know what Connor did was was special. But I do think that he could. It's got the same feel. It's got this. There's there's very similarities to the there feel are. to the feel in terms of his marketability, his reach, his reach. Now, will he make the money and have the same type? No, he can't because he'll never. No one in the history of combat sports will ever be able to recreate what it's, Connor's done. Like, I mean, that's just. I mean, it's unprecedented, and you just can't get to that level. But in terms of his reach and his stardom, I do believe that he can he can get up there, and especially with like you said, your generation. And the American fans, for sure. I do believe that he can get up there. Um, but And that's kind of what bothered me, because in the press conference, when, Pia, when when they asked him about the comparison between him and Connor, he really didn't have an answer. Like, he, he kind of, it sounded like he got nervous a little bit. He was kind of like, uh, and he stuttered, and he was just kind of like, well, I'm going to kick Peter Jan's butt. That's all about, you know, so I got nervous for him. So I didn't really think he was going to be able to perform that well in this fight just yeah. for that reason. I think it's a tough question to kind of even attempt to answer, right? You don't want to say the wrong thing when you're talking about somebody that's floating up there in a different air, a different atmosphere in Conor McGregor. So I probably would have chickened out myself too. But, hey, a win for the young guys, right? A win for the guys who don't do things properly. And the rest of the card was kick-ass too, I thought. Oh, yeah, for sure. So that brings me to my next point. And the reason... That I'm not, uh, I'm not upset if, if, P, if uh, Sean O'Malley gets the title shot. In fact, as soon as it happened, as soon as like he won and Aljamain Sterling won his fight, I text Aljamain. He's a good friend of mine. I text him and I said, hey, call out Sean O'Malley right now. <laughs> Don't let them put anybody else in his place. That's the fight you want to get right now. Yeah. Because in terms of legacy, I believe that Aljamain Sterling, the bantamweight champion of the world, could potentially be on track to in the conversation of one of the greatest band and weights of all time. Mm. For sure, wow. because it, and it, it sounds crazy because he's never been talked like that before, but the fact that the next couple of opponents match up really well for him. <laughs> you know, sure. I love to hear that. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Put Sean O'Malley in a title shot. And did he get a, did he did you get a response to that initial text that you were saying that said oh yeah for sure Sean. for sure and you don't want sure. you don't want to air and, that out you can't do well, that his his response was <laughs> Al Jermaine's response was Dana will never let that happen oh yeah. and your stance on that is what and my stance on that is that it's I don't I don't necessarily think Dana won't let that happen I, because, I would agree yeah because I because Dana you know and I spent a lot of time with Dana White president of the UFC I spent a lot of time with him and he. Is a, he's a rebel. He's a rebel. And he likes when guys say put themselves he, on the line. Yeah, and when they say that he can't do something, it makes yeah. him want to do that thing more. For sure. So when, so when he looks at a guy like Sean O'Malley who's, you know, put himself out there, he's in the public eye, he's in the spotlight, he's like, you know what? Man, give him a title shot. Let's see what the kid's made of. <laughs> you know, if he's good, he's going to win. If he's not, then oh well. We're going we're gonna to work on the next guy. And the same amount of money was made. And the same amount of money was made. Mm. So, I, for I don't see them not doing it if um if Sean wants it. Okay. I mean, I, I, yeah, I can't disagree with you there. And obviously, for somebody like me, it's something that I would easily, easily invest in, pay attention to, and hope for a certain outcome. So, I can't hate on that at all. And I love that he responded and said he wouldn't do that. It showed, He didn't say no. He just said, I don't think he would let it slide. Yeah, he was like, yo, I mean, because I think that's, I mean, obviously, that's the fight that he probably wants, but then there's other guys, you know, barking away saying that they want it, but I think Sean O'Malley is the perfect opponent. And it probably does better sales for everybody anyway, so I think that that would happen. Now, 
you know, also on the card, there were some other big fights. What stood out to you the most on that card? The fact that Islam, it's the fact that this guy, pronounce his last name. I love saying it. Mahachev. Mahachev, yeah, but see, everyone says it something differently. So Islam Mahachev. What he's able to do, I mean, there's just nobody like him in the game right now. Like, he's polarizing because you know what he's going to do before the fight even starts. He's bigger, he's stronger, and he's going to end up squeezing the life out of you. And watching him go do that against arguably one of the best in the business in a snap, in a gif, when we knew it was going to happen the way it was, I mean, it's literally hats off. This guy has the potential to be, I think, the greatest of all time. I don't know how bold of a statement that is, but there's nobody that can sniff his jockstrap right yeah, now. You're, you're not far off from that. Now, going into that fight against Charles Oliveira, I mean, who did you have? Honestly. Islam. Did you have Islam? Why? And financially, I had Islam. For oh, my, did you really? For my own personal okay. wealth. <laughs> and as far as survivor pools, betting friends, because obviously it's UFC, is, that's where you really get into it with your buddies, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody, obviously, whether they're a Charles guy or an Islam guy, you really have to pick a side. You can't root for a good fight. you got to stand on one side of the fence. And I was standing on that Islam side the whole time for the exact reason where I figured he was going to wear this guy out, and eventually he was going to find his way to his back and squeeze the life out of him. And he did exactly that. So for me, somebody who I consider a UFC cat, Casual, for me to have known that that fight was going to end the way it did and go the way it did, I thought was, wow, okay. Well, this guy definitely is probably the best there is right now in the game. He is, and there's a lot of comparisons between him and obviously Habib Nurmagomedov, his mentor, so to say. Um, they were teammates, and obviously Khabib kind of is a little older and got out ahead of him. But when I analyze the skill, he's more skilled than Khabib. <laughs> he's more skilled. And he's a mm. better he's a better competitor. Now, Habib was a guy who ran across the ring, took a lot of chances, ran through fire in order to get what he want. Islam doesn't do that. Islam is more tactical. He's a better finisher. He's got and I know it sounds crazy. It, is, it, it is, sounds it crazy. It sounds a little crazy. It sounds crazy, but he does have the potential to do more than what Habib did. So, so, so here's my question with this because this has been more of the talk on social media and regu like regular ways. Like this kind of conversation has crept over to my timeline, I'd say, where we're talking most recently about the situation in New England where they don't know what quarterback they have. I know you guys talked about it on the home team, right? It was between Mac Jones and now it's Bailey Zappi. And they talked about going back all the way a couple decades to when this happened with Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. And they talked about the mental mindset of can – this guy, Bailey Zappi, turn into a Tom Brady based off of how he's seen things go down in front of him. And then the conversation with UFC to tie into it was, can Islam be the direct clone? Can he be Khabib's clone? Like, can he fight and be the same tactically as this guy? Like, can he just reproduce a guy as good or if not better than him? And I think that, yeah, there's a conversation to be had. Like, is there anything that he's not going to do that Khabib tells him to do. It's just a really good, I'm like, wow, because when you watch, how you talk about how tactical he is, when Khabib's his ring man, like a lot of the things, and you know this firsthand, you've literally been doing it slash have done it and are currently doing it, but when you say, hey, move left, and you watch a fighter move left, I mean, they can directly be the person you want them to be, and I think that's why Islam's not going to lose anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think so either, and I don't, you know, a lot of people are, are, you know, putting, you know, Habib on this pedestal in terms of, like, his coaching. and his, I don't want to. I'm, I'm I, him. I'm one of the guys doing that. You're yeah, going to have to tell me to talk me off of that. I'm not because those guys were already good. It's Habib's father who did it. Habib just kind of <laughs> stepped in. He just stepped in a year, ago, a year ago because that guy looks like Tom Brady. 
<laughs> that he does. That he but, does. And on the other side of here, I got two more Vineyard Vines oh. here. So I'm, get, I'm at five now. I've been keeping good track. but So Habib, he, he just stepped into the role. All, those guys are, were doing the same thing. It's not like he's out there and, and now all of a sudden they've become these great players because Habib stepped in. They were already winning. Yeah. They were all, so he just kind of stepped into the role and just kind of took over. That's interesting to, to, for you not to kind of give him the flowers there because well, you don't think, and you know this firsthand, how, how because so, so I would say myself and Josh Cohen are all are, are, – you know, that's very big into tennis, and now they're allowing coaching from the sidelines. And it's funny, right? When you see a guy losing that probably should be losing, but then gets coached and makes that correction, and then all of a sudden comes out on top, comes out a winner, it's a direct result of coaching that's now allowed. So in fighting, how often do you see a coach say, hey, do this, make this move, go now? And, like, those fighters here no, it, do that no, and end the fight. 100%. It does happen. It is, it is possible. Of course. It is, I mean, I'm not saying that that's not possible. And I'm not saying that Habib's doing a bad job. I still think he's doing a, a wonderful job. But what I'm saying is those guys. We're giving guys, him a little too much yeah, credit. Yeah, what I'm saying is those guys were already good. They were, all, they were already winning. Right. You know, it wasn't like they were losing and then he turned the program yeah. around. They were already winning. So it's not like he did anything different. You know, he's just, following, he's just following the system. I do. I do. And I ultimately loved the card through and through. I thought all the fights were spectacular. I thought the way it ended was on par. I thought the Sugar John O'Malley and Jan result still is being spoken about on airwaves, even ours, ESPN Radio right now. Even on a Wednesday, I thought it made that much of an effect on the sports world. So I love that we chatted. Love that we're still talking about it. It's awesome. Awesome. And here we are out at Banyan K Ooh! at the Roof Claim Dot. Tom Boca Raton Bowl golf outing. Bam. You didn't think I could pull that off, did you? Oh, I kind of did, but you took your time. Yeah, I took my time. I wanted to make sure I got every <laughs> every syllable, every word, right? I didn't want to mess that up because, you know, I think everyone can hear me now. <laughs> so, is it time to break? Sure, we can take a, take a quick little break here. We'll come back and get busy on everything else. All right, but before we take a break, let me remind you guys about the Brightline's buzzer beater trains for every heat home game this season. Hop aboard the Brightline and get to Brightline's Miami Central Station, which puts you just steps away from the FTX Arena. It's the easiest way to see the heat. Whether you're coming from West Palm or Fort Lauderdale, there are three different trains arriving in Miami up to 30 minutes before tip-off of every game. So you won't miss a second of the action and stay until the final buzzer thanks to the Brightline buzzer beater trains, which depart after the game so you don't have to worry about leaving early. They're going to wait for you. Plus, you can upgrade to premium and upgrade your pregame with complimentary cocktails and bites, extra leg room, comfortable leather seats, and world-class service. Skip the traffic, skip parking, stay to the buzzer sounds at every heat game. It's a slam dunk. Book now at GoBrightline.com and look for the buzzer beater icon. That's GoBrightline.com. And there you have it. Check it out. This is Ken Levick Alive. I'm Dean Thomas. That is Stone Labanowitz. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 1063. Or Ken Levick, who is out doing whatever it is that he does worst, because no, because there's nothing that he does well, so he's out doing whatever <laughs> hey, he does worst. Hey. No, you better watch that. 
But you better watch that. I don't, I don't, I don't come on bad mouthing. That's my radio life partner right there. That is true, man. My and bad. If I, I had a vote, that. I didn't mean that. I would be rather be looking at his pretty face and big beard right now. That is true. Nah, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Dean, and we're off and running here at the roofclaim.com. Well, the men are going. It's a shotgun start. They're all heading to their hole. We're getting started today. Yeah, I just saw, I just saw like a whole, like, it was like a caravan of uh, like a whole, carts a whole just frat. went by. Yeah, what's going on now? So they're just starting here? So they're just starting here. So it's a shotgun start. So boom, right? You blow off that whistle and everybody heads to their first hole. They're all on different holes, but all starting at the same time so they can finish at the same time right now. But all the carts are off. Everyone's heading to their starting hole right now. And I'm a little nervous because now they're going to start and I'm not, there's no protection where we're at. So I almost feel like. Did a golf ball going to just just going to go astray and hit me in the face? It absolutely could, but here's the here's the thing that that's in our favor. So the tee box for this par four that is in front of us right now is to our right. So somebody has to be a very 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 bad golfer to end up shanking this ball all the way directly left. So I think we're okay. No, or we're just so bad at radio they want to get rid of us, so they're just going to all gonna start hitting. Yeah, they're no, all going to start you know hitting what? shots over you here. You know what? That that may be the case as well. Yeah, so I'll, that's why I'm a little nervous. So I'm seeing if <laughs> see if we can get a couple interns to stand in the way and guard us here, so and we just, can get here. just head the golf balls if they come their way. That's fine. We can make that happen. I love it. So we are here at theroofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl golf outing here at Banyan K in West Palm beach i'm dean thomas that's ken uh, uh, that's oh, wow. stone labanowitz wow i was thinking of ken man you brought you brought him in my mind and that's you had okay. him in my mind we're both balding yeah we're both not that tall both not that tall that's both right. very unathletic whoa whoa one of us is one of us is <laughs> i'm just kidding with you so speaking of athletics and i do the fight game i wanted to talk about yeah. some very heated stuff that was going sure. on in the nba last night that was between clay thompson and Devin Booker. Yeah, so really, I think, important stuff. So TNT had the call, had the broadcast. So it's something, and at this point, it's appointment television for a lot of us, right? You get the Charles Barkley. You get the Shaquille O'Neal. You get the Ernie Johnson. You get Kenny the Jet Smith, right? These guys are calling games. And boy, did we have a good one. So it was between the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors last night in Phoenix, right? It was a pick em line. So basically, like I said, it was just appointment viewing. And I think the story coming out of it was that I think still Phoenix reigns. They're kind of... The ones that are able to knock off this Golden State Warrior team, and we saw it firsthand last night. Final scoreline of 134 to 105. And why we put this on the show sheet was because, you know, you wake up this morning, if you didn't watch the game, what you saw in your timeline was Clay Thompson getting ejected late in that third quarter. And I, I think you would have found it funny because Clay Thompson, to me, I think resembles at least verbally like a Russell Wilson, like somebody who you don't expect to be able to give somebody. The jaw, like you're not able yeah. to correctly talk smack. So that was kind of the storyline coming out of this. Like, is Clay Thompson that guy? He, but before he got ejected, he was one of eight from the field. He had two points. He was 0 and 5 from three. And some of the things that he was mouthing that I can't obviously say on terrestrial radio got him thrown out of the game to Devin Booker. But that's kind of the storyline coming out of this game. Like, Phoenix gave him the beatdown, and Clay ended up getting ejected for the third time in his career. But if you would have heard, and I will show you, what he was saying to Devin Booker, because that's who it was between. It was him and D-Book. It is just storyline. It is something to speak about, because if Phoenix can handle this Golden State team the way they did, right, by that 30-point margin or 29-point margin, I think it, it kind of raised some eyebrows around the, around the league. Well, first off, he's a bully. Because he did it to Devin Booker. I mean, if, but Come on, man. No, he's, he's, if you do it to Devin Booker, you're a bully. But why is that? Because some would consider Devin Booker a bully. He's the more quiet, like, demanding, degrading kind of teammate slash, like, 
opposing player than somebody like Clay Thompson would, who's more of a whisper something under his mouth or kind of just throwing pokes and jabs at you all night long. No, well, to me, so, and I was reading this, you know, the the quotes from like Draymond Green. He's yep. like, oh yeah, the Suns were emotional. To me, it seemed like Clay Thompson was the emotional. He one. absolutely was. I mean, you when you go out there, you score two points. You emotional and about abs- that? Absolutely, and that is where it stems from. Going out there and not making a single three pointer, which he's known to do, having two points, going one of eight. Yeah, it, it would honestly end up being your fault. I would agree with that one hundred percent. It makes all the sense. And in the I'm world. saying, like again, Devin Booker soft and Clay Thompson soft. Like, they wouldn't have did it to a, to a Draymond Green. But of course they would have. And I think Devin. No, what? No, and, absolutely and not. And I think Devin Booker would have because Devin Booker's the one who, who is not afraid of anything. He's the one who can actually well, maybe Devin take Booker. things out on the court. Instead of a Clay Thompson who wasn't having a good night, Devin Booker was the one who led his team and ended up winning that game by 30 points. He had 34. Two rebounds, seven assists. Like, he was the one answering the horn when it was honked at him, if you could really use that expression. Now, you said He's about – yeah, I know, man. I mean, he had 34 points. But you said Russell Westbrook is the type of quiet guy. Russell Westbrook seems like the type of guy who would get it, who kind of mouth off a little bit. Well, I said Russell Wilson. Oh, Russell Wilson. Oh. <laughs> right. So I, I compared him to oh, Clay Russell Thompson okay. because they're both right. And I'm not going to call Clay Thompson corny because I think he's a really cool guy. But I think if you were to not know who he was, he would come off as kind of a goofball and similar to a Russell Wilson. And that's kind of where I compared them to. And he was the one who got thrown out. It's like, hey, boy, calm down. You're not that guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So who's the hardest dude in the NBA? The right hardest now? dude? That's a really good question if I had to answer it. Whew. So I would first start off with somebody like uh, – God, man, I, honestly, there's no correct answer here. I would go with like an Isaiah Stewart, somebody who you don't necessarily know, but he plays for the Detroit Pistons. He's kind of well. The Pistons always got hard dudes. I mean, that's sure. just a hard team. Like if you if you from Detroit, you hard anyway. Absolutely. And the Pistons have traditionally had very rugged, rough teams. Yeah, absolutely. So he's a big guy. He plays down low, the low post, plays center, and a lot of power forward. A lot of time for those guys. But he honestly, when he when he loses his temper, he throws hands. Like he's not afraid to get ejected, and his teammates know that he's the one they have to calm down. But that's not a name that necessarily a lot of people know. So that's a tough I mean is is, really Dr- is Draymond question. is Draymond the hardest dude in the NBA? I mean because that, of because of what we saw. Right. You know, now he's able to hide behind that punch for the rest of his career. I know, like now everybody I mean really like that really made his career. Like that's what he's gonna be known for for his entire career. So Cyrus is helping us out right now. With showing us uh, some of the list of some of the hardest, I guess, guys you could call them. Steven Adams is an Australian. He plays on the Memphis Grizzlies. And he That's the is big dude, right? Out, yeah, and oh, he, looks yeah. like, he looks like Jason Momoa. Yes, he yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. He is absolutely top five. I agree. I think Marcus Smart and Russell Westbrook are two guys that you do not want to take out back and throw hands with. So there's another gun guy as far as you know us being in South Florida, Miami Heat guy last year. Now he's up back on the Philadelphia 76ers. But P.J. Tucker? Hey, that's the quarterback from uh, the Panthers? No, no. That's P.J. Walker. Uh, Same thing. Do you know him because he went to Temple? He went to Temple? Yeah. I I had no idea. Okay, well, I figured that's why you would know P.J. Walker. Other than that, I'm very surprised. But, yeah, those would be the list of kind of the hardest or toughest guys, or at least the guys you don't want to take out back. It would be a Steven Adams. It would be an Isaiah Stewart. It would most definitely be Russell Westbrook, the way that – he kind of has a short leash right now yeah, or a short he's, fuse. I was about to say, he's always like in somebody's face. Yeah, and he's always – or somebody's always on his nerves, right? Yeah. He's always ready to fight. If you slipped up and said the wrong thing to him on the court, he would definitely punch you in between the eyes. Well, you know what it is? You know why? Well, one, he's, he's smaller than everybody else, so he's got like short man syndrome. And, and, and NBA standards. 
Yeah, but it doesn't count and because every single one of these guys is taller than you think. If Russell Wilson walked up on you, you would I know, go, but, oh, my God, I'm sorry, I know, sir. But, but compared to, to everybody else. Shoes? But compared to everybody else. Sure, I guess so he's used to, so. and plus, And plus, but here's the reason why he has a hard time like with life anyway because he's ugly. You know what I'm saying? Like when you when you ugly, like you know what I'm saying? Like you got nothing to lose. Sure. You know what I'm saying? You just like, you sure. know what? You beat me up, that's an improvement to my face. Yeah, but I'm not willing to say that it's the short man syndrome for Russell Westbrook because as far when it comes to having to do the aggressive things that a ball player does, like dunking the basketball, like going up for blocks, Russell Westbrook kind of is the police officer. He's the sheriff in town when it comes to that stuff. Nobody's jumping higher than he is. Nobody's playing harder defense than he is. And nobody's throwing up as many bricks as he is. In the way I, know, I, was about to say, I was about to say, I, man, I, I got to tell you, man, like I don't watch a lot of basketball, but I tell you one player that I will never not watch and that is John Morant oh my I mean that guy gracious. is an, I was I was just thinking about him. he was an, he's an absolute alien absolute alien he's an absolute alien. alien like I've, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it I agree I agree I don't think I have in my lifetime too so for Miami Heat Media Day it was about a month ago when me and Kelly Vicka were down there we sat in front of Nikola Jovic. He's one of their first-round draft picks. Now he's from Serbia. Mm-hmm. And the Heat drafted him first round. And I asked him, you know, what are you most scared of? Is it the level of guys that you're going to see? And before I could even get Ja Morant out of my mouth, we had said it at the same time. I was like, Ja Morant. He said it at the same time, too. He's like, I just don't know, you know, what kind of person that is. He's like, I've never seen that in my country and at home. And now I practice against guys like that on a day-to-day basis, but this John Morant guy is just touching the top of the backboard. He's consistently coming out of nowhere. He's the fastest guy up and down the court. They're absolute aliens. John Morant is definitely... Yeah, he's like a different breed of human being. He is. He is. Like, I don't know, like, in terms of, like, his basketball, you know, acumen, like, I don't know how high that is, but I know in terms of athleticism and what he can do out on the court... Is I've never seen it before. Yeah, there's a, there's there's a handful of guys now that are moving and grooving around the league, and a few of them that that are going tonight. To be honest with you, and I I think you know we started this conversation talking about this Clay Thompson and everything, but we can transition it over to I think Russell Westbrook and this Lakers team. They've uh, yet to win a game. The Lakers ain't win no games. They've yet to win a game. Oh my God! And I did end up making that bet with Jay Will over 43 and a half victories for this Lakers team. If it goes over and under, I have the over. This team's 0 and 3. This team's in a really bad place right now. They're taking on the Denver Nuggets tonight. They're six point underdogs, but I know we've spoken about these Lakers, and when you guys do on the home team, it's just complete. Let's make fun of them. It's just complete. Let's. Well, what dog else them. is there to do? What else is there to do? I can't disagree with that necessarily, but yeah, there's some games going on. But the Lakers will play tonight, and they'll most likely take another loss, and a lot of it has to do with Russell Westbrook. He's just a. He's just terrible. It, 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 I feel bad though. I do. <laughs> I really do, because he's 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 a, like right now in his career. Like he used to be really good. Like oh. it, 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 that's the problem is that when you set the bar so high for yourself, like it, like his his fall was so precipitous that like now you're just looking at him like man, now you're a terrible player and you're ugly. And you're a terrible player and you're ugly. See, now imagine if you're a professional ball player and you're hearing guys well-respected in the realm of sports like Dean Thomas over here just calling you straight-up ugly. I love to hear it. No, but, hey, he's the fault that they're losing. He's the reason. And there was a rumor today. Now, it was from an account, a verified account, that had said that Russell Westbrook had just purchased a home 
right across the street from LeBron James. So for they all need these, to be out there practicing. Listen, so for all the NBA fans and all the Laker fans out there, they're saying get rid of Russell Westbrook. He's the reason for all of our problems. We need to get rid of this guy. What do you know? He talks to his realtor, and they move right across the street from LeBron James in Los <laughs> Angeles. So Russell Westbrook's here to stay. That's kind of the well, message to, to the audience right now. He's not going anywhere. He's going to figure out his game. I truly believe that. And I hate that we're calling him garbage, and then you're calling I hate him it too, man, ugly as hell. Well, I hate it too, man, because I remember when he was really good. And I just remember, like, they were like, man, he's – like, he was – again, he was one of the smaller guys on the court. Yeah, he but was. he was able to do things almost like John Morant's doing now. Like, I he was, was able – that's it. what I'm saying. Like, he's able – he was able to do things like that. And now you see him as just, like, air ball, brick. Yeah, so typically the Lakers have only played three games this season, but heading into that fourth quarter, he stays himself. He sits right on the bench, right? They don't, they don't start him that's in the where fourth he needs quarter. To stay. Right, and that's what a lot of Lakers fans are saying, right? That's where he needs to stay. But come late crunch time into the fourth quarter, Darvin Ham, the head coach, is having to, is forced to kind of put this guy in the game because he doesn't want to answer questions in the post game. He doesn't want to have to address the media when it comes time about why Russell Westbrook didn't play. He doesn't want Russell Westbrook being asked those so questions. So that's the reason why like, they're it not is, playing him because I mean, they don't want to answer the, answer to the and media? And I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either because this guy Just, can still hoop, but there's something going on mentally. And what's happened in these three games is Russell Westbrook has come into this game, checked in in the fourth quarter, and he's been the reason they've lost. Last time out against the Portland Trailblazers was two nights ago. They had a six-point lead with, I believe, 60 seconds left to go. Russell Westbrook checks into the game. They immediately blow that lead. When he takes a shot in a possession that he probably shouldn't have, and they, like I said, they ended up blowing that lead and eventually went on to lose that game. So Westbrook, Russell Westbrook is going through hell right now, and I'm on Ken Levicka Live each and every day with Ken Levicka and Theo Dorsey. And when they come on, it's let's bash the Lakers, let's bash the Lakers, and I can't get away from it. So here's kind of my crying out call. Like, I'm able to say, hey, I love you guys, Lakers. Like, please, please hold on, or else I get completely bashed. Hold on, wait a minute, wait day. a minute. You going to wait till I'm hosting the yeah, show? absolutely. To, to start to turn, have absolutely. A, a change of heart and be nice to these guys? 100%. That's not fair. Well, not I'm fair always me. nice to these guys. I'm always the one kind of standing on this, this. And I don't think I'm going to be able to do it on any other show with anybody else right now because otherwise they'd be saying, this Lakers team is one of the worst in the NBA and they're not going to make the playoffs and whatnot. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, we will. We got to take a quick break? We definitely do. We got to take a break, but before we go – Stone has an important message. Yeah, and that message is from Baptist Health Orthopedic Care. Let me ask you guys, are you experiencing foot and ankle pain and need to see an expert in the field? Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash ortho to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources and experienced physicians in leading edge treatments and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash ortho for more information today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash ortho. And there you have it. This is Dean Thomas. That is Stone Labanowitz. This is ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. And we are back, joined by my man Kanye. 
Yeah, man, my yeah. man got my man got some problems right now. Yeah, and we're blasting him through everyone's car, everyone's home speaker right I now, know. everyone's Alexa. So sorry for that, everybody. Well, no, but it's important. But this it is, is. Uh, Ken Lavica live. Ken Lavica is not here. I am your host today, Dean Thomas. You normally hear me every day on Josh Cohen and the home team with Dean Thomas and Tina from four to six daily, right here on ESPN 106.3. Me, I am joined by my man Stone Labanowitz. And we are at the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl Golf Outing in Banyan K. Yeah, in West Palm Beach. I have a problem about this golf outing right now. I heard there was a a pitch reader, a speed radar as far as for baseball players, right? It's kind of one of the gags we're doing at this hole right now. We have Rick and Keel and his group here today just to steal that trophy. That's just cheating. Right? That is that is that is a bit cheating, and I'm glad. Um, I'm just glad we don't have that hole in sight right now because I'm a little mad that they even allowed that to happen. That is that is a little foul. It's a little unfair. It's some bias going on. <laughs> Can we sure bring why. Rick and Kill on the show when he comes on here to lunch or when he meets us at this hole? That I'm hoping. Is right I'm in hoping. Front of us right now. Well, Rick normally joins Josh Cohen and the home team oh, on Wednesdays for sure. From four to five, he's on. So I'm hoping to be able to chop it up with him. Now, me and Rick, we go way back. I remember we went to high school together. <laughs> so, which is hilarious. Which, I mean, it's hilarious. But, I mean, we, <laughs> but the funny thing about Rick is that we all knew that he was going to be a star. I love that. We all knew. Like, I, I love that. Because I was a little bit older. I was maybe, I think, a year or two older than him. And I uh, just remember just watching him come up. And, just, and I used to cut his hair. You know, and <laughs> I used to cut his hair. And just watching him come up. And everybody knew. And I remember when he signed his first deal. At a high school, we was like, man, this cat is rich. I was like, yo, I need to start hanging out with him. He got money. There was nobody who signed a contract as big as he did from PSL the time Rick and Kill did it. Is that a, is that oh, a stat? That is a hundred percent. It's not even close. <laughs> like he was, the, he was the first and only guy to make it. I love so, that. And it, that's why, like now, when I see you know players and and you know playing professional sports from Port St. Lucie. It makes me happy because it's never been done before, really. And Rick Ankiel was the first one to do it and and show everybody that it can be done. Right, and set the standard and kind of just raise the ceiling a little bit. That is really cool stuff, and I'm glad he's out here performing or, I guess, participating, competing, whatever you like to call it, in this golf outing. Don't know how serious him and his teammates are taking it. Don't know who his teammates are, but hopefully he has a good result today. Well, I mean, I'm a little upset that he didn't ask me. To be a teammate, you know mm. what I'm saying? I shot a what is what's it called again when you only hit two over? A double bogey. Yeah, I shot a double bogey once. I would have you on as a caddy. That, being able to give me I don't want to be a caddy, man. I want to be a player. Being able to read the greens for me, making sure I'm putting in the correct places, making sure I know my yardage, right how how far off, what the green's been doing that day, if it's been watered and cut correctly. That's what you'd be there for. Is that for. what the caddy does? It is. I always wondered about that. Like what, what does the caddy do? You yeah, know? so what he's he's the one who he knows his golf for the best, right? So when you're looking down at these holes if you're 150 yards shy, he knows whether you're up or down, what kind of lie your ball is, right, what, so what your guy's strengths so the golfer are. Don't know? He, he should be. He's thinking about other things, right? That's not what you want running through your head. You want to just be told what to do with the little things, so you don't have to think about it. So you have more of a clear mind. And he knows the caddy most likely, the yardage, what the wind's doing. Like he wants to relay the information that he doesn't think his golfer knows on the spot. So then he can kind of go through his routine and do things how he always does it, just so his muscle memory doesn't get out of whack. See, he's I don't just there for I, safety. I don't think I will be a good caddy because I'm. I'm a bit like, man, just do what you want. You know what I mean? Of like, course. So you, feel? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Does it feel some, good? Do it. Some of the <laughs> best caddies do have that personality. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. It's you look at some of Tiger Woods, you think Tiger Woods needs much help out That's there? That's what I'm saying. Of course he doesn't. But there are things that Tiger needs to hear that as somebody, if you're close to him, that would trigger him. 
right? And you know what's going to get him going. You know what's going to make him kind of execute the shot the right way. It's all mental. I'd, with be, guys a good, like I'd that. be a good hype man, though. You know what I'm saying? For I'd sure. Like, it's all about man. being a hype man. There are plenty <laughs> of guys. This. There are plenty of guys. You see father and son relationships, and there are plenty of caddies who are close enough with their golfer to be like, hey, don't do this. Or like, verbatim this is stupid and then all of a sudden you'll see the golfer still take that shot find himself in the water find himself astray way off the green and it ends up being like a respect thing and like they have that close of a relationship so yeah it really depends well i know we talking about stupid stuff let's get back into kanye <laughs> <laughs> right let's, on let's par go, let's get back into kanye because um your boy is tripping first off what's your favorite kanye song Oof, it's a good one um to be honest i believe christian brought us in with it and that would be through the wire it would be one of, I think, it's one of his original albums. Yeah, the I, wire. Mean, he, I remember when he first came out It with was that. when he was still brace-faced. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't even alive when he had come out with that, I don't think. You wouldn't... If, if Through the Wire, that was probably that 98, that was probably that 2000. Yeah, I mean, so. I can't remember when it came out, but I do remember when it came out, and it was different because yeah. he had that different sound, and it was like, man, this... It was all the beats, that, yeah. all the melodies. He he was the one who first implemented all the different instruments onto those beats and stuff. So, yeah, I was probably still crawling on all fours when Through the Wire came out. Kanye West still had braces on, and that's where yeah. that song originated from. Or Hey Mama, a song that you can always play, and everybody knows who, who sings it. You can play it for your mom. You can play it for all your friends. I would say those are probably my two favorite. Well, Cyrus here just told us that it came out in 2003. So, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, but... To like to like to you, that's a long time. Like, of course, to me, that's not a long. Like, how old were you? In I was four years old. <laughs> I was four years old when Through the Wire was. I was in the I was in the streets. Of course, you know what I'm saying. So like to me, that it doesn't seem like that long ago. Oh God, that's cool. Well, so what would yours be then? Um, it's a it's more one of his obscure songs. It's called Gone. Ooh, yeah, I've heard and it. You've heard it, of course. Yeah. yeah. It and is, but it is one of his more obscure. It is one of his more trap. Yeah, it's, it's one more, of his more, more obscure, like low key songs. For sure, it's yeah. more of an EP. It's not necessarily one of right. the album. It's ones. not. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not going. You're not going to hear it on the radio. It's long too. It's like a six, seven minute song. Yeah. So I think we're probably the only ones on any radio station right now talking good about this guy. Kanye <laughs> yeah, he was. Well, man, because, <laughs> but you know what? Like, because I feel bad for him because you know, the thing is, it's not. It's probably not easy being him. And going through what he went through and not knowing how to deal with it and then just having money and just like he's you almost feel like I have empathy for him. Did you get a chance to watch his genius documentary? And I watched that and I was so inspired by that. I changed my entire outlook on him for me being somebody young and wasn't who wasn't really a part of his come up and stuff. I never had that respect for him. That documentary kind of gave me the respect. They touched on the mental health issues that he has and kind of where it's taken him in this point in his life. And yeah, I was inspired. I did feel bad. And then he's doing what he's doing now. He's the face of all of this anti-Semitism, whatever, the anti-black culture. Like, he's just doing all of these things and steering everybody the wrong way. I know, but he's tripping. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not really I, – I have a hard time believing that that's really him. I feel like that the mental health issues have really taken control of him. Oof. And it's hard for him. And I think he's just having a hard time. And what I think he needs more than anything else right now is help. And he needs some friends. So that's why I'm not going to come down on him. Right, and so he's lost those friends that you would think that he needs, right? So he And he probably he probably self-sabotaged himself and he probably did it himself and got rid of all the people in his life that he, you know, that care about him. And the ones that would speak up and say, "Hey, stop doing what yeah, you're doing." You're right? Tripping. He's gotten completely rid of those people. So his agency, Donda Sports, who he's now collabed with Antonio Brown, they're both co-kind of pres presidents of Donda Sports. Well, today the news broke that Aaron Donald and Jalen Brown 
some of the brightest stars in the NFL and the NBA both are leaving the agency. He put out statements today just saying some of their classic stuff, all the company lines, that they just can't work any longer in parts, in cahoots with a Kanye West or an Antonio Brown. Of course, it's just not people you want to pair your name with at the moment. So that's kind of the news that broke today. And it's just been a kind of a quick hit for a lot of these people. But, yeah, we feel bad. We feel bad. I mean, I feel bad. And, like, everybody's piling on him, and they're all coming down on him. And I get it. And I get why Aaron Donald and Jalen Brown left to You do as a professional athlete. For sure, I get it because you don't want to be associated with that. You don't want to be attached to his name right now in sports. But that's not why I would have done it, though. I would have did it because Antonio Brown is still associated with them. (laughs) I would not want anything to do with that guy. Absolutely not. Like, I could – like. I can have empathy and compassion for, for Kanye. For the mental. Okay, then I would argue for this. Okay, what about Antonio Brown? Is he not faulted for his mental health issues as well? I don't know, man. Like, I don't know him that – I don't know him like that. You think he lies about him? I feel like, he, I feel like he's just a, I feel like he's just a jerk. Is that, is that fair to say? Of course it is. But I think this guy's elsewhere mentally too. I think this guy needs just as much help or if not more than a Kanye West. But they've lost two of the biggest athletes they have at their agency. So shouts to them. They got to get it together. We don't. We're rocking and rolling all day long here. I don't know, man. Like I, I just feel like, like Antonio Brown is on a different level of – of he, behavior, yeah, and, and he, I don't, I don't like his behavior one bit. Like, in fact, like it, it infuriates me when I see him doing stuff. I think there's really levels to this. So Antonio Brown is kind of making his mark on sports. When we see Kanye West trails off into politics, and I think that's why his is a higher level than Antonio Brown's. Like, you see Antonio Brown's most likely because it has to do with sports, right? So when you're on social media, your timeline obviously is fluffed with 80 to 90% of it just being sports. So Antonio Brown's face, name, words are all bound to come up. Kanye West, he hangs out on Fox News. He does political hits with guys like Tucker Carlson and stuff. And so this doesn't get to us. And this guy's worldwide, nationally, which I think was ultimately his goal. But now it's came to bite him in the behind. It has. And if you haven't seen my spoof, of Tucker Carlson and Kanye oh, West. God. Go to my Instagram page. It Please is do. at Dean Thomas. Dean spelled D-I-N. But before we take a break, we got hour number two coming up with the annual Great Chefs Tailgate presented by Boca Raton Innovation Campus and CP Group. Heats up on Wednesday, November 9th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. Dozens of local chefs, breweries, and cocktail masters will be serving their favorite tailgate classics. Wear your college team's colors and mingle with other college football fans, community members, and your favorite ESPN West Palm personalities. Tickets are on sale now, $40 in advance and $50 at the door. It includes all food samplings, entertainment, beer, wine, cocktails, and soft drinks. Visit spiritofgivingnetwork.org. That is spiritofgivingnetwork.org or call 561 685-0144 385-0144 to purchase your tickets today. I'm Dean Thomas. That's, Dan, that's Stone Labanowitz, and this is ESPN 1063.